everyone, and welcome into the Nolan Podcast. I'm digital multimedia editor Noah Brown. It seems in almost every instance the internet has the perfect image, whether you're looking for a background picture to use for a promotional poster or a featured photo to help a social media post, a quick search online can pull up the exact content you're looking for. Despite that easy access though, most every creative work available to download online is protected by copyright law, and reposting, disseminating, or otherwise sharing that image without consent from the owner of that intellectual property could land you and your shop in some deep legal trouble. Nolan spoke with Minneapolis-based communications attorney Mark Anfinson, who specializes in First Amendment and copyright law, about what exactly is protected under the law and how to protect you and your shop from accidental copyright infringement. We start the conversation by establishing a basic understanding of what exactly copyright is and what it protects. Yeah, the, the basic copyright is um, is uh, a legal right that is, to many people, surprised actually um, recognized in the original American Constitution. The original Constitution, all, along with all the other wonderful stuff it had in it, like the Bill of Rights and the Free Speech Guarantee and a Due Process Guarantee, states that Congress shall set the terms and conditions for protecting. Uh, copyright, or what's come to be known more broadly as intellectual property. Intellectual property is a is a generic term that is sort of absorbed copyright law. It includes things like trademarks, copyright, patents, uh, the right of publicity, which is the right of people to protect their the use of their photographs from commercial use without their permission. So. So this this copyright goes back to the original American Constitution, and Congress then is the power to set the specific terms and conditions for copyright law, and it's done that uh, in various ways over the decades. The main thing Congress does when they tinker with copyright law is determine how long the copyright lasts that you obtain over your work. So. It's currently quite long. It was originally not nearly as long as it is now. Um, but the, the application of copyright law is to anything that, um, that someone creates that's, uh, that's tangible and um, that is expressive. Now, those are kind of gibberish words, but if, you know, if, I, if I carve a little statue uh, or 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 um, child's toy out of a piece of wood. Uh, that that necessarily isn't that that's not a necessarily copyrightable. But if I draw any kind of picture, any kind of um, drawing, and take a photograph, write a musical work, uh, write a short story or a novel or a magazine article. Um, it goes on and on. Any creative work that, that takes some creative um, input doesn't have to be great literature at all or great photography at all. Anything that's new and unique and, and creative um, can be copyrighted. And then it is protected by the United States Copyright Code. Uh, and so no one else can use it without permission. And the, and the to use a copyrighted image without permission exposes a person to fairly nasty potential 
penalties. That's the ultimate reason this is important. I mean, no one should want to infringe someone else's copyright. It's like a type of stealing or theft uh, of someone else's property. It's intellectual property, it's, it's, but it's property. But on top of that, you can get stung for pretty serious penalties if you do it. And that, that doubles down as to why you wouldn't want to uh, infringe someone's copyright. And so from my understanding, uh, copyright is created as soon as a work that can be copyrighted is created as well. And you don't need to go through any formal process of registering a copyright to obtain those protections, correct? That's correct. And that's, again, something that's often misunderstood. But the moment a creative work comes into existence, it is automatically copyrighted. Uh, it doesn't have to be registered. It doesn't have to be disseminated. You don't have to get somebody's permission. You don't even have to put the copyright symbol on the work, the, the, the little, what they call the copyright bug, the C in a circle. And that's one of the things that will often trip people up in looking for imagery on the web or looking for photographs on the web. They'll look at something, they'll say, well, it doesn't have a copyright notice on it, so it must be okay for me to use it. That's absolutely not true. The copyright protection applies whether or not the copyright uh, notice is on the work. So it's, it's automatic. And so in, in the context of, of this story and this interview, uh, focusing specifically on images, you know, uh, our readers are independent shop owners, shop managers uh, who might be using images on their social media accounts or physical print images in their stores to promote different products or services that they might have available. How, I, I guess just uh, for another general question, what constitutes as copyright infringement? Because from my understanding, it, it's pretty broad that you know, you, in almost any situation, you can't use someone else's image without their permission first. That, that's a simple and correct description. You, you can't use someone's copyrighted work without permission. There is, there is a doctrine, a major exception in copyright law called the fair use doctrine. But it's very, very narrow and it's very dangerous to try and use it, especially if the use is for any kind of commercial purpose. Um, so, you know, if you, if you want to use somebody's work and get the fair use exception, you need to have uh, some legal input or you can't use it. But journalists in particular now are always inflating and exaggerating the scope of the fair use doctrine or they think they can use somebody else's uh, imagery, television broadcast, story, photograph. It's very, very narrow. And so the, the basic rule is if you see an image, a photograph, graphic, um, anything like that that you want to use, you'd better assume, you should absolutely always assume that it's subject to copyright protection and you should not be using it unless you get permission. And so then kind of moving forward uh, in other terms of usage as well. So let's say hypothetically there was an image that was printed uh, in a newspaper or a magazine somewhere uh, and was available online. 
And so even though the newspaper or the magazine or some other source that got permission to publish it, that does not mean that you can take that image from that source and then use it for your own purposes, correct? That's correct, absolutely. It, it most certainly does not mean that. And again, the odds are very high that that photograph, that graphic, um, that design feature, that will be copyrighted and that you can't use it. I mean, it, it, again, it's very broad. It even, I mean, one of the things I run into a lot with business um, businesses, they want to use, um, oh, they'll, for example, popular um, cartoon characters that, that appear in like Disney movies, or they want to use, um, they want to use um, little pieces of popular music to, to um, improve their website uh, by, because people will recognize the music, it's, it's popular. Absolutely dangerous, especially when you're working with big, big companies like Disney Corporation. They're very aggressive about enforcing their copyright claims. There's a, there's a hit team that works for Disney, if you can believe this, that, that goes around the country um, and, and they have a van and they, and they pull up in front of local bakeries. This illustrates the hazard and they walk in the bakery and they look in the bakery case and they determine if there are any cakes or other pastries that have any Disney cartoon characters on them, such as happy birthday to, you know, for a kid's cake, which is actually quite commonly done because those Disney characters are so popular with kids. And if they find one of those cakes or more than one, they buy the cake, they take it out to the van, they photograph it, they document where they bought it and when, they throw it away. And a couple of weeks later, the bakery gets a letter from Disney's lawyers. So even something on a cake, uh, 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 an illustration of Mickey Mouse or something like that um, is a copyright infringement. You can't use somebody else's imagery, photograph, drawings without permission. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but what is fair use and does it apply in the commercial sector? In the context of what you're of the, of the audience you're writing for, it would virtually never apply. It just isn't even worth um, the, the the lesson of fair use for your folks is simply don't assume fair use is going to help you because it's very misleading. First of all, the word fair should never appear in any legal context at all. It's too ambiguous. I don't know why they call it fair use. But you you have to you have to have a, a very narrow legitimate usually not for profit purpose in uh, using the fair use doctrine. And um, so journalists sometimes will be able to use small segments of somebody else's uh, copyrighted work to illustrate, for example, that some public official or some celebrity is acting badly uh, or has done something outrageous, something like that. The, the news media will have some fair use uh, latitude, but um, the fair use doctrine has a four-factor test. You can find it in the textbook, of course, you probably saw that. And 
being confident that all four of those factors or any of them might apply in a particular case, you can't be confident. It's it's going to be a crapshoot with the judge almost every time. You never want to get that far. So I, I the, the advice I'd give folks in your type of audience is don't don't ever assume the fair use doctrine is going to apply. It's very narrow. It's very perilous to try and use it. And your best bet is usually going to be to try and find a different way or a different image than to try and think you're going to be protected by fair use because you're probably not. So hypothetically, let's say uh, a small shop uh, is already using uh, someone else's copyrighted image for a promotional poster that they have uh, in their reception room. Do, does the copyright owner have to provide formal notice of like, hey, that's my image, please don't use that before legal action is taken? Or can they just go ahead and say, you know what, that's my image, uh, here's a lawsuit? The latter. They don't have to provide any formal notice uh, or takedown request. It's, it's once it's been used without permission and it's copyrighted, they have a legal claim. And the to illustrate that, Noah, one of the... Um, sort of alarming, ominous developments in copyright law the last 10 years in the United States as a, a species of attorney has appeared who are commonly known as the copyright trolls. I don't think the word troll comes from the, the old um, ugly figure under the bridge in Billy Goat Gruff. I think it's more a fishing term where these attorneys troll through the internet on behalf of clients typically photographers or graphic artists, some writers, they troll through the internet to find infringing uses of their client's material. And when they find them, they will file, the first thing they'll do is they'll send a really uh, threatening letter, long threatening letter to the person who's infringed the copyright saying, we want anywhere between $5,000 and $20,000 by uh, next month or we're going to sue you. And, uh, and they document how the copyright's been infringed. And um, that's a very big business right now all over the country. And if the, if the person who gets the letter doesn't pay them something, they often will sue them. I'm, I'll illustrate this as an example. I'm defending a copyright infringement case right now involving a newspaper in northern Minnesota that published an advertisement from a local, from an area bar restaurant. And the bar restaurant is on one of the big lakes in Northern Minnesota. Um, in this case, um, I believe it's Leech Lake. And they were doing a promotion for the bar restaurant. And it was, it was the opener or, or the height of fishing season. And they wanted a image of a fish in the advertisement. So they found on the web a beautiful drawing of a walleye. And they put that in the ad. And the newspaper published the ad not knowing that this had been obtained without the artist's permission. Well, they, the, the artist and his attorney, who by coincidence is also in northern Minnesota, found the ad quickly. And um, the walleye, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very well done drawing of a walleye leaping at a lure. And it was copyrighted. It shouldn't have been used without permission. I should have paid a license fee to do it. 
They didn't, and now they're entangled in this lawsuit in federal court over the use of that walleye. So, and, and again, the attorney is in headquartered in Maine, the state of Maine. But in the modern world, that doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's these copyright attorneys or copyright trolls, as they're called. They have a national business, and they'll represent these artists and photographers all over the place. And um, they they make decent money because these infringements occur so often for some of these very popular images and photographs. There there's a there's an infamous, depending on your perspective, infamous to me, famous in other quarters, retired attorney who lives in Indianapolis, who's, who's taken some very nice, he was an amateur photographer, he's taken some very nice photographs of the Indianapolis skyline. That's all they are, but they're well done. And he's posted them on his website. And people doing all kinds of articles and promotional things about Indianapolis will often find his photographs on his website and they'll use them, thinking it's just an innocuous, generic photograph of Indianapolis. Well, he, he's got them metadata coded. He'll find them. He's made quite a bit of money off the, the unauthorized use of his photographs of, of Indianapolis and its skyline. So very, very risky and, and very unpleasant if you're the end up being the target I mean, again, that's the problem. It's bad to steal people's stuff, but it, in terms of the misery index, it's a lot worse to be threatened with a lawsuit. And you're going to pay 5000 maybe a little less if you're lucky to get away from these things, and a lot more if you get sued. So just it's easily avoided if you just follow the rule that we're talking about. Don't use any graphic, any illustration, any written material, any photograph, any musical uh, material, unless you know for certain it's not subject to copyright. We hope you're enjoying the conversation with Mark so far. If you are, you should subscribe to the Nolan Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow National Oil and Lube News on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date on the latest quick oil and quick lube news at nolan.net. Now, back to the interview. You started to answer my next question there a little bit, but just in your experience, how big can some of these lawsuits get? Because a lot of the, at least in the research that I've done, it seems that a lot of the businesses that are getting sued aren't large businesses. They're not large corporations. They're the small mom and pop shops, the independent stores, you know, one, maybe two storefronts max. But they still, these lawsuits get really big really quickly. Well, they, they are. They're very, it's very common. As, as this bar restaurant in Northern Minnesota's example illustrates, it, they're often against small businesses, in part because the small businesses are often the ones that don't have a proper appreciation for copyright law. So they innocently pick up these photographs and drawings and, and graphic images uh, thinking they're okay. The, the, usually those lawsuits, like the one with the walleye, are settled. They don't go to trial. They don't go to court. They're settled usually after some litigation for a fairly modest sum. 
10, 20,000, 25,000. The problem is, Noah, is the defendant, you've also got to pay your attorney's fees, which can be quite nasty. So it's, you get sued. It's not, it's not at all uncommon that you're going to incur total costs of $25,000 to $100,000 between the legal fees and the settlement. And, and no small business wants to incur that or in some cases can even afford that. So it's just, if there ever was a, an example of the value of the old observation that um, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, it's here. And this is more an ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure because it's relatively easy to avoid a claim. And it's, it can be really miserable to get entangled in. Because if you do end up infringing on uh, someone's copyright and do end up going to court over that, not only then, from my understanding, are there actual damages that are incurred, but there are also statutory damages that are incurred. There are attorney's fees that are uh, yeah. incurred. And so just the the numbers start adding up really, really quickly. Yeah, and again, I, I, I wanna be clear that for the vast majority of smaller businesses uh, that innocently infringe a copyright, that's what we're mostly talking about. They're, you're never gonna go to court per se for a trial. It's almost always gonna settle because the the logic of settlement is so compelling. As, as opposed to rolling the dice and paying an attorney to take the case to trial for you, which is brutally expensive. So almost always those types of cases settle, but it's still, you're talking 25 to 100 grand um, between attorney's fees and settlement costs. So the, the, that's the, quite the, a bit of money. It's, it's, it's terrible. The, the really big litigated to the trial copyright cases are typically confined to things like um, where one big corporation uh, takes something from another corporation. Actually, the most common cases of that for the last several years have been software cases. Um, software is copyrightable. It's all the coding and the design of the software. You look at a, any Microsoft product, it'll say copyrights on Microsoft Corporation. So those are the ones that really get disputatious and are litigated to the health, often because it's hard to even be sure when software design is 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 replicating somebody else's software design. I would never want to do that. It's, 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 it's tough stuff. But in the context we're talking about, it's, it's it's rare that something goes to trial. It's usually settled. That doesn't mean it's pleasant or easy or not expensive. It is almost that. And so on that note, uh, obviously, the best way to deal with this is to not deal with it, to avoid infringing on copyright altogether. So what are just some easy ways to verify or uh, verify that an image you are using is free to use or just to make sure that you aren't violating copyright? Yeah, that, that's the core of the issue. And, and the fact is you can't, in, in the majority of cases, you can't ever verify that it's not subject to copyright. There's no way to do it. So what you do is you assume that every single thing you see on the web, every image, every graphic, design, 
design features, design elements, borders, specialized um, typefaces, photographs, drawings. Um, you just assume those are all subject to copyright. And um, music as well, almost all types of music. And then you, you can think about trying to get permission, but it'll almost always be impossible to even find out who owns the rights to it. It's just not going to be worth your time. You've got to go to some other plan. You've got to go to plan B. You've got to look at other opportunities. You don't use any of that stuff if you know it's good for you. As, as you're aware of, copyright um, is, a, is not permanent. But, but the, the, the length of time that copyright protection applies is so long, um, 95 years uh, from the time of creation for most works that are owned by companies or businesses. Um, you know, you could go back and, and find something that was created in, in the early 1920s or before. But how much of that's going to be in any way useful to someone in a modern uh, promotional or advertising context? Not at all. So it's not even worth considering whether it, the copyright protection is expired in most cases. Old historical photographs, old historical designs, yeah, you can use them. But again, they're rarely, rarely of any real interest or attraction to, to modern commercial enterprises. So, um, if I've had people try and, uh, in the case of musical uh, material, try and find who they could contact to get permission to use it. They can't even track someone down. It's, it's, it's just, it's almost impossible. So you just, you don't use it. You come up with another plan to, to do what you need to do. So it in terms of another option, there are a lot of uh, websites, whether it's stock image sites or Creative Commons media sites uh, that say that there are copyright free uh, you know, images, audio files, uh, other things to use. How trustworthy are those sites and are they reliable in terms of you know, if you take an image from there, they're safe to use? Well, that's a good question because those sites do exist and I was going to mention them. So they, they do have some, they provide some opportunity. Um, but they're not all legit. You can pretty quickly, by doing a web search for a particular site, like a what's commonly known in the business as clip art, which is something publishers use and, and other designers use, where they have a, a huge library of, of, of photos and graphics and drawings and images on various topics. Um, what you do is you do a web search to see if the site you found with that clip art is legit or the Creative Commons site is legit. You'll quickly find feedback. Many, many are very legitimate and everything that they provide will be, uh, will be sanitized, will be clean and you can use it. And that's probably if someone really wants to use uh, imagery of some kind or other, that's undoubtedly, unless you go out and create it yourself, unless you go out and take the photograph yourself, most people aren't going to draw um, stuff very effectively themselves. So that, that's the avenue you pursue. But don't just assume every single site like that is what it claims to be. I once defended a lawsuit 
against city pages in the Twin Cities where they used a, a, a photo that um, on a site that claimed it was in the public domain, it wasn't. And one of the cruel realities of copyright law is there is no such thing as innocent infringement. Even if you have no reason, no possibility of knowing that what you use is copyrighted, even if you've been told by some third party that it's okay to use it, it doesn't help you one bit. If you use it and it's not authorized and it's an infringement, you are as culpable and liable as anyone else in the stream of infringement. So that's why you got to be careful. So last question here, just kind of try and wrap everything up. How important is it for small business owners, independent shop managers uh, to take copyright seriously and, and to really just kind of realize that this is a growing issue? It's enormously important. And I can speak from experience because I've defended many small businesses that have been the subject of shakedowns by these copyright troll lawyers. Again, most of the time they don't sue you. Most of the time you simply get this really aggressive threatening letter that says, if you don't pay me so much money, I'm going to sue you. But once you sit down and look at that, once you realize that you've actually committed an infringement, uh, the, the great majority of small business people say, you know, what choice do I have? I'm gonna have to pay or I'm gonna get sued. And they do. So. It's five to fifteen thousand they settle for in most of those cases. But how bad do you want to write a check for five to fifteen thousand dollars for something like that? So, and and again, because of the nature of the internet, where any use of an image or a photograph or a graphic or somebody's written material or music can be detected by software quickly, there's no place to hide. So if you do it, you're almost certainly going to get caught. And so it's just, it's really important. The advent of the copyright trolls, constantly searching the web for infringing uses. Um, you've got to be really careful. And that's all we've got for you today on the Nolan Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Noah Brown, and we'll see you next time.